Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Praise be to God, yes. Jesus changes lives, and every life that has changed is a miracle from God. So two years ago at this very service, Christmas Eve, it was Chris standing in the first ever service at our Blue Springs campus, which was our Christmas Eve service. He heard the story from John of how Jesus changed John's life, and it changed Chris's life. Do you understand that a changed life changes lives? That when you let Jesus change your life, it changes a lot of lives around you too. And it could be that tonight there's a life here, like Chris two years ago, that needs to be changed. You could be the next one because that's what Jesus does. So on the count of three, I want you to tell me your favorite Christmas movie. This is the time of year we watch the same movies over and over again. You know how they're going to end. You know the lines, but you watch them anyway over and over again because they're just kind of the classics, the icons. You have your favorites. I do too. So I want you to tell me right now, just shout it out on the count of three, your favorite Christmas movie. One, two, three. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Everybody said, it's a wonderful life. (laughs) Mine too, mine too. Yeah, that's a great one. I don't know, if you've never seen it, you gotta see it, right? 1946, it is iconic. It's a wonderful life, Jimmy Stewart. And this scene at the very end of the movie, a little Zuzu there, I'm, I'm telling you, even though I've seen this over and over again, I still get that lump in my throat. I'm right on the brink of tears every year. You know, I'm talking the tight lip, bite your bottom lip, because you know, your wife's got tears rolling down here, and you look at her and almost make, and then you're, because that's what we dudes do, right? So Wonderful Life, I mean, it's a must-see. It's a great Christmas classic, it really is. So if you don't want to cry and you just want to think, you got to go with the OG of Christmas movies. I'm talking Christmas Carol, 1938. Now, they've made it over and over again. There's new ones, but you got to go to the original one, 1938. The effects aren't great. The acting's not great, but it's one of the originals. Charles Dickens' classic. I can tell this is getting a lot of traction at Abundant Life. Yeah, everybody's going to rush home and watch this one. You know, the ghost of Christmas past, ghost of Christmas present, ghost of Christmas future. He is super creepy, isn't he? Yeah, he'll make you get life right with Jesus. You need to watch Christmas Carol. Now, if, if you don't want to cry and you don't really want to think and you just want to laugh, it's hard to beat Elf. I mean, you got to go with Elf. I mean, I've seen this movie over and over again, and it still makes me laugh out loud. You know what's coming. You laugh anyway. Best line of the movie, you're an angry Elf. <laughs> Hilarious. Now, if you don't want to cry and you don't really want to think and you don't really want to laugh, you just want a touch of nostalgia because Christmas is about some nostalgia, you got to go with Christmas Story. 1983, Ralphie wants a Daisy Red Rider BB gun. And everybody keeps telling him, no, no, it's gonna, you're going to shoot your eye out. And I connect with Ralphie every time I watch it. It's a touch of nostalgia because there was a time in my life at about his age, I too wanted a Daisy Red Rider BB gun. And I got my Christmas wish. A little over 40 years ago, my wish 
was for a Daisy Red Rider BB gun. Because growing up in my house, it was kind of a rite of passage when you finally got a real gun that shot a real projectile. You were becoming a man. And I got my BB gun. So that's why I connect with Ralphie. This is one of my favorites, a Christmas story. Let me ask you, church, why do you think it is at Christmas time we watch the same movies again and again? I mean, really, we know how they're going to end. We know the lines, yet we come back to them over and over again. I think, personally, the reason we do is because they all have a happy ending. I think that's what they all have in common. They all have a happy ending. And you see, I think that is all of our wish. We've been in a series called Wish, and what we all wish for is a happy ending. In a world where there is so much bad and so much evil, so much sin, so much suffering, what we long for, what we wish for is a happy ending. And Christmas kind of gives us a moment to call time out and go back to a simpler time. And I think that's why we connect with these movies. They've said before, you know, I've heard it said that ignorance is bliss. Well, the truth is innocence is bliss. And there's a time for Christmas innocence in all of our lives. This is Christmas, 1970. You have four little kids here. They don't know anything is wrong in the world. Sitting under the Christmas tree, you know one of these four little kids because that one right there, you're looking at right now. He's preaching. Yeah, I'm the one with the little red hat on. And you can see from the look on my face, all is well in the world. I mean, it is Christmas time, and I've got my Christmas wish, and everybody's happy, and the world is merry, and what I don't know at that time in my life is that at this very moment, in 1970, tens of thousands of GIs had died in the jungles of Vietnam. What that little guy didn't know in that moment was that just in a couple of years, there'd be a scandal in the U.S. White House and a U.S. president would leave in resignation. What that little guy could not have understood at the time is that it was a nation full of racial tension and political division. And within just a couple of years, the 1970s would see runaway inflation. What that little guy didn't know at the time is that all was not merry in Christmas 1970. And I think the world has a way of stealing your innocence from you. You know what I'm saying? And Christmas gives us a chance kind of just to call a time out. And for 24 hours, we're not going to think about COVID. We're not going to think about the Omicron. We're not going to think about all the division and dissension and the hatred, enmity, hostility going on in our world. For just a, a moment in time, we're going to call a time out. And I want you to know what the reality is. Listen very carefully. We need more than a wish. What we need is hope. And Jesus came for more than a wish. He came for hope. Now, we've called this series WISH. And the reason we have is it's an acronym. We began with the wonder of creation. If you wasn't here three or four weeks ago as we launched a series for Christmas that we called WISH, we started with the wonder of creation because you can't really understand the reason we celebrate Christmas and the reason we remember a baby born in Bethlehem in the first century 2,000 years ago, still remembered by millions all over the world because the reality in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and he put a man 
man by the name of Adam in a garden said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And it was going to be a kingdom without sin and a kingdom without end. And we were all going to bear the image of God in Adam's offspring. And it was going to be a place of perfection and a perfect relationship with a perfect God in a perfect place. And everything was perfect. And then sin sent creation into ruin. And God had a plan, even in the garden, to put the broken pieces of our world back together again. It was more than wish. He promised us hope. And we talked about the insanity of generosity that 2,000 years ago, God did what some said was insane. It's nonsensical. It wasn't logical that the sinless Son of God came to die for the sins of men and women so that we could be forgiven of our sin, to become like him. It was on the cross of Calvary that Jesus made the greatest change. He took our sin upon him and he took off his righteousness and put it on us. And it was the generosity of God that gave us the simplicity of a baby 2,000 years ago, the sinless one that God promised would one day come, the anointed one that would reverse the curse of Adam's sin on all of creation for every man, every woman. He came in the simplicity of a baby born in Bethlehem. And tonight that baby is what gives us hope, hope eternally. And church, that's what I want to talk about right now. Christmas brings us more than a wish. It reminds us there is hope. And at least one person needs to give God glory for that. Let me stop right there and just say, thank you, Jesus. Because what we have tonight as followers of Jesus is more than a Christmas wish. Yeah, I know we named this series Wish. It's because I'm going to turn it on you right now. We need hope. We need more than a wish. You see, most people think in terms, I'm going to cross my fingers and hope things work out. I'm going to cross my fingers and wish things will get a little bit better. I'm going to cross my fingers and I'm going to wish next year was better than this year. But I want you to understand, Jesus gives us more than wishful thinking. He gives us real hope because our hope is built on what Jesus did and what God said. It's more than a Christmas wish. Well, I wish that Santa will bring me a Daisy Ridrider BB gun. Now, I don't have a guarantee. I, I hope he does, though. I, I don't know he will. See, that's just wishful thinking. We need something more than wishful thinking. Wishing is our will projected into the future, but hope is God's will coming from the future. In other words, God has made some guarantees and God has told us what's going to happen ahead of time. And there's certain things God said that gives us our hope. And it's what Jesus did that gives us our hope in a world that is hopeless. And that's what I love about Chris's story that you heard tonight. In a time of difficulty, depression, and darkness, he was putting his hope in a bottle, but then he met a woman in a time of difficulty, depression, and darkness. She was putting her hope in the Bible. Let me ask you tonight, what are you putting your hope in? Some put, put their hope in pleasure. Some put their hope in a pill. Some put their hope in pleasure and prosperity and popularity. But the reality is nothing in this world can really give us hope. And what we need is hope. And Chris found the nature of true hope. It's hope in Jesus. Hope has a name. 
And 2,000 years ago, hope left heaven and came to earth. He left the place of eternity. He stepped into time and tears, coming in infancy in the form of a baby for one reason, that he would one day hang on a cross at Calvary to reverse the curse of sin upon all of creation and for every single man and every single woman. Wishing is our desire for something that is uncertain, but hope is our desire for something that's guaranteed. See, God has made some guarantees, and that is what we can put our hope in. And tonight, if you don't know where the hope is, I wanna share with you where the hope is. If you don't know what Christmas really is about, that it's more than simply having a Christmas wish, but you can have true hope in a world that seems without hope. Tonight, I hope that you'll find that hope. It says these words in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, that wishing is built on possibilities, but hope is built on certainties. See, a lot of us think to believe in God or trust in Jesus, we just have to cross our fingers and wish it's true. But I want you to know there's more that we can put our hope in than simply crossing our finger, taking a blind leap of faith, and hoping Jesus is real in a world where we wonder, is anything real? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, puts it this way. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I want you to notice what it says. Faith is the substance. That word substance means foundation. In other words, faith is the foundation of the things we hope for. So hope is resting on the foundation of faith. And look what it says. It's the evidence of things not seen. And so God wants us to see tonight that it's not just blind faith. Just blindly believe, cross your fingers, take a blind leap, and hope that it's true. What it says in Hebrews 11 verse 1 is that our faith is built on divine facts, like there are factual things that we can prove that we absolutely can say is true on which our faith is built. So there was a time that I wasn't sure was anything true, like is Jesus true? I mean, we live in a world where it wonders, is anything true? Is anything believable? And all of a sudden we lose that age of innocence, you know, innocence is bliss, and all of a sudden we start to question everything. And I began to examine everything. Is there any reason that we can believe that this baby born in history, the world still remembers, is somebody that we can really trust in to redefine our destiny and redefine our entire trajectory? And what I learned is there are some factual things on which we can put our faith. That it's not blind faith, it's faith based on the evidence. And did you know that God promised through the word of God, through the Hebrew prophets, we call it the Old Testament of the Bible. Over and over again, century after century, the Hebrew prophets prophesied that one day the anointed one, the Christ, that's what the word means, Christ, anointed one, they promised that one day God's son, the anointed one, would come, and when he did, he would be the one to reverse the curse of sin for all of creation, every man and every woman. He would hang upon a cross, he would die for our sin, but three days later, he would rise again. And did you know there are 61 prophecies made about the Messiah centuries before Jesus was born, and Jesus fulfilled every single one. I'm talking all 61. 
We can look back through the lens of history and we can see how this one man, Jesus, fulfilled them literally and he's the only one who did. It was prophesied, for example, the Messiah would be a Jew and Jesus was, of the tribe of Judah and Jesus was, of the household of David and Jesus was, of the root of Jesse and Jesus was, that he'd be born in Bethlehem and Jesus was. That's why we sing songs this time of year, oh little town of Good Sunday school class, I can tell. Yeah, it was prophesied 400 years before Christ was born that when he came, he'd be born in this little town of Bethlehem, one of the most obscure places on the map of ancient Israel. It'd be like saying the Messiah, when he comes, he's going to be born in Lone Jack. By the way, that's my neighborhood out there. I can pop on Lone Jack. It'd be like saying the Messiah's going to be born in Belton. Huh? I mean, what are the odds? Jesus is born in Bethlehem. It was prophesied centuries ahead of time that he'd be crucified between two thieves, that he would be betrayed for silver, that his garments would be gambled for at the foot of the cross. Over and over again, all 61, one man in history by the name of Jesus fulfilled them all literally. My friends, that is more than something that could have happened coincidentally, that could have only happened supernaturally. It defies mathematical probability. You see, we have a faith that is founded on facts. It was prophesied that he would indeed die for our sin, but three days later, he would rise again. How do we believe that? We weren't there to see it, but understand there were those who saw it, and they wrote about it. Did you know on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had his friends and followers who all promised, we're not afraid, we're not going to run, we're going to stand with our friend, but on that night, they chose to save their own skin. When they saw their friend going down, they got out of town. They were hiding for their life, trying to save their life. But did you know that within just days, something they saw with their own eyes changed their life forever? A life that was changed, and you could not talk them out of what they saw. Something they saw changed their life forever. They went from being cowards to courageous. Every single one of them died horrific deaths tortured alive because they could not and would not recant what they said they saw. They saw Christ die, but three days later they saw him alive. You see, these are verifiable facts, divine facts, on which we can build our faith. See, faith isn't blind. Faith is built on evidence. This is more than wishful thinking. This gives us real hope. And our hope is built on what God has said and what Jesus did. That's why it says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance, the foundation of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, we can have hope in a world that is not hope, that has no hope, that seems increasingly hopeless. And the simple reality, church, the best predictor of the future is always the past. Based on the past, I have very little reason to wish the world's going to get better. But based on hope, what God has said and what Jesus did, I am never ever without hope. First Peter chapter one, another one of those friends of Jesus put it this way. First Peter chapter one, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's begotten us again to a living hope. 
Hope lives. Hope hasn't died. The only way hope dies is if Jesus dies and stays dead. But hope went into the grave, and three days later, he came out alive. That's why Peter calls him a living hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and defiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I'm talking hope eternally, forever and ever and ever. In a world that is in decay, in a world that will one day fade away, I'm talking about hope that will live forever, eternal, not temporal. Eternal, let me ask you tonight, what is your hope? Where are you putting your hope? If it's in the things of this world, there is no hope. If it's in the things of God, sweet friends, you are never, ever without hope. See, Christmas gives us more than a wish. It gives us real hope. 1 John 4, 14, and we have seen This is John who followed Jesus personally. He says, we have seen him and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. That's what Christmas is all about. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said these words, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Matthew, another one of those followers that saw Jesus, put it this way in Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary had betrothed Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is a name that means salvation or savior. His mission is in his name. His mission is salvation. We need to be saved from our sins. All human suffering is because of human sin. We need to be saved from ourselves. We have seen the enemy. He is us. Romans 6:23 The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Some of us don't know what sin is. What does that word even mean? It simply means missing the mark. The mark of God. Missing the mark. Missing the bullseye. So it was an exciting Christmas when I finally got my Daisy Red Rider BB gun. And I'd go down to my grandpa's farm and I would practice my marksmanship. I'm going I'm to aim this way. Because y'all are that way. My daddy taught me. Gun safety. It's empty, don't worry. And I would look at these pop cans and tin cans. And I would often hit the mark. But on occasion, I would miss the mark. That's sin. God said, don't lie, we did. God said, don't cheat, we did. God said, don't take my name in vain. We did. You see, the mark of God is perfection. Perfection is the standard of heaven. 
Not, well, you did pretty good. You're a really good person. See, not one sin can get into heaven. So I might hit the mark nine out of 10 times. But eventually I miss. Nine out of 10 is pretty good, but do you understand even one sin would keep you out of heaven? Because heaven's a place of perfection. So true story, you know, in, in, in the movie Christmas Story, they kept telling Ralphie, you're gonna shoot your eye out. Guess what? I almost shot my eye out. True story. So I'm shooting tin cans, using my grandpa's barn as a backstop. I missed the can, it ricocheted off the barn, hit me right here below my eye. Until today, I have never told anyone that story. I was afraid my daddy would take my uh, BB gun away. Here's the deal, church, sin has a way of ricocheting. Sin has a way of coming back to you. In fact, Galatians 6, 7 says, be not deceived, God is not mock, whatever a man or a woman sows, that shall he also reap. When you sow the seeds of sin, you reap a whirlwind. Our nation, our generation, our world is reaping a whirlwind of destruction, depression, deprivation because of sin. But the good news is this, Romans 6, 23, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Jesus took all of our sin upon him. He died for our sin. He took our penalty, he took our place. And now he offers a gift of salvation, redemption. It says it's the gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the deal about a gift, it's free. You can't earn it, you can't buy it, or it's not a gift. Salvation is a gift. To this day, my dad has never asked me to pay him back for my Daisy Ridrider BB gun. Because it wouldn't have been a gift. You're gonna give your kids gifts tomorrow morning. I know that you are. Some of you already have. And I'm gonna predict that not one person here is gonna ask their little one, pay me back. Come on, pay up. You might think about it, you're not actually gonna do it. You owe me. You're gonna think that sometime too. You won't actually say it. A gift is free. Do you understand what God our Father is offering us? A free gift, eternal life. It's more than religion that leaves you trying to work your way into heaven by being good and appeasing God. It's not the Santa Claus theology that says if I'm on the nice list and not the naughty list, I'll get something from Jesus. No, in the eyes of God, we're all on the naughty list. We've all sinned. But Jesus came to set us free. He came to forgive every person of everything, to restore us again to a God that is holy. I'd like you to bow with me just for a moment right now in the quietness of this hour. Maybe you're sitting at home, live stream, maybe in this auditorium, maybe another campus. The most important question you will ever answer this side of heaven is do you know your destination? Are you ready for eternity? If you closed your eyes today, do you know where you would be? Two years ago at this very moment, Chris, 
at the ever, first ever service in Blue Springs campus of Abundant Life. Heard the story of a man named John. Jesus had changed his life and he thought to himself, maybe Jesus can change mine. He called upon the name of the Lord. And two years later, his life is still not the same. This is what Jesus does if you let him in. I'm going to pray a simple prayer of faith right now. You can pray it from where you sit. God will hear your prayer. He'll forgive your sin. And I invite you right now to pray this with me wherever you are watching from, wherever you are in the world, right here in this auditorium. If you're not certain today of your destination, you can have true hope. Hope in heaven. Pray this with me. Jesus, I know that I've sinned. That I cannot get to heaven apart from you. But I believe you died for my sin. That you rose again. That you're alive today. Thank you for giving me true hope. Forgive me of my sin. Come change me from within. In Jesus' name, amen.
second chances, new beginnings. He offers new life. That's what we all need, new life. If you prayed that prayer with me just now, you have new life in Christ. And uh, we have a gift for you we'd love to share with you. I've written a book. It's yours free. It'll help you take your next steps with Christ to begin to grow in your walk with him. If you would fill out a next steps card right there in your seat back somewhere near you, you fill that card out, take it to the Next Steps desk. We'll send you our book uh, that I know is going to bless your life in a special way. Jesus is the light of the world, church. In John chapter 1, the light stepped into the darkness. In Genesis chapter 1, the light divided the darkness. In John chapter 1, the light of heaven stepped into the darkness. But it tells us that the darkness comprehended it not. As a matter of fact, they crucified the light. The darkness wanted to snuff out the light. But three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and the light shines in the darkness. And right before he ascended back into heaven, he said something he'd said over and over again, that you and I are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. He said, even so let your light so shine before men. You see, the world can't see Jesus, but the world can see us. The light shines in us. The light shines through us. So let your light so shine.
church listen as we blow our candles out remember we're not blowing out the light let your light shine every day the love and light of Jesus Christ shines in you in the darkness of our day Merry Christmas to all of you God bless you God go with you thanks for joining us today if you enjoyed today's podcast be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.